Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom with Nathan Drinkard. I'm Jay Wise. Thanks for spending some of your time with us. You know where we're at. We're on Anchor, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, and we're on so many other podcasting platforms. If you're looking for us in the video format, you can find us on the A Drink of Wisdom YouTube channel. Each show's segment split up. Listen to what you like, or all of them. We prefer that one. Uh, Drink, as always, great to have you along. Hey, man, I, you know, I'm glad to be along. You know what it is. Um, how everything with you and yours, man? I had to do a hike today, so my feet hurt. But besides that, I'm doing <laughs> I'm doing well. How about you? Hey, I don't miss that, baby. Um, but yeah. hey, <laughs> you know, man, we back in the, we back in here again on another fruitful Friday. Um, so y'all know what time it is. It's another day, another dollar. We got to give the streets what they need. We see what they don't. We're gonna say what they want. And uh set your plates because it's time to eat. But last but not least. Let's talk some sports, baby. Let's roll, Jay. All right, this is episode eight of season three. We're going to talk Urban Meyer. Josh Allen's going to take on Patrick Mahomes. And we're going to look ahead to the weekend in college football. It's a packed weekend. We're going to start off with Thursday night football, where the uh, the Los Angeles Rams moved to four and one last night with a 26-17 victory over the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks fall to two and three. Seahawks led this one seven three at the at the half, but uh, after, after halftime, the third quarter, not kind of the Seahawks. They pumped the ball away on their first three possessions. While at the same time, the Rams go three out of four possessions for touchdowns, and that was the big swinging point in the game. Also a big note in this one, Russell Wilson injured in the second half, uh, hurt, dis- dislocated a finger on his throwing hand on a uh, Aaron Do- on an Aaron Donald hit, I believe. And we just, uh, I think we just got some breaking uh, breaking news. He's going to be out at least a month could be up to two months perhaps we'll uh we'll have to wait and see on that one geno smith came in did have an impressive 98 yard touchdown drive to get the uh get the seahawks uh, back in within striking distance but uh too much rams in the second half matthew stafford ends up throwing for 365 yards much of that in the second half daryl henderson 82 yards on the ground robert woods huge night for him he had 12 catches for 150 yards they also get seven uh for 92 yards from cooper cup Russell Wilson in his abbreviated action, uh, just 152 passing yards. Uh, DK Metcalf, five catches, 98 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, Drink, let's. Uh, I guess we'll stick with uh, Russell Wilson for the start. Um, what? What? How? How? How big of an injury is this for Seattle? <laughs> they gonna miss the playoffs for the first time in a long time, babe. That's how big. Like, yeah. listen. It's been a long time since we looked at Seattle and said Seattle was a bad team. This is going to be a year where they're a bad team. Russell Wilson was the glue that kept that team together. Let's keep it real. Since the Legion of Boom exited the building and and you had select others, you know, the Javon Curses of the world, the Doug Baldwins of the world, they all left the building. The last man standing from those championship era teams was Russell Wilson. I mean, and Pete Carroll, I'm sorry. Pete Carroll, you know, you got to get a coach to credit. So, um, to, so those are the only two guys. I mean, and you you do got Wagner. Um, yeah. yeah. You, you got Wagner on the, the linebacker. But outside of those three, man, um, yeah, those yeah. are the, the three pieces you got left from the championship run. And the leader of that, you know, run, the quarterback, Russell Wilson, is now is going to be out. And listen, let's keep it real here. Seattle been hanging on by the thinnest of the thin ice as of lately anyway. The only reason we even consider them still a playoff team is because Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. Now you don't have Russell Wilson. I don't know what excuse you give me <laughs> to tell me that that season can be saved. Even 
even if Russell Wilson was gone for four weeks, let's say four weeks, because I think the report said four to eight weeks. So let's say right. best case scenario, four weeks, worst case scenario, eight weeks. Even if, I, I, depending on who they will play, if if it's that's if they go two and two, saying they're playing two NFC West teams and then two teams out of division, well, I think the two West the, the um, opponents are two. Those are two L's. Like you're not beating the Cardinals, yeah. 49ers, or the Rams. We and just, you, we just, yeah, just and just on that note, just to get in here, they they're going to go to Pittsburgh. Um, next week, and then they'll get the Saints and Jaguars at home, and they'll get Green Bay on the road. Those are the next four games. So the Steelers okay. and Jaguars, maybe maybe you can talk me into maybe they could win those, but I don't. The Saints and Packers, I don't think will be. I don't think Geno Smith's getting it done in those two. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's Geno Smith. I would love to see him get it done in any one of the four, even again. <laughs> listen, if you told me right now, Trevor Lawrence or Geno Smith, I'm taking Trevor Lawrence. Let me just tell you that right now. Geno Smith ain't showed me. At least Trevor Lawrence can tell me he a rookie and he just having he's struggling in his first year. Yeah. Geno Smith been in like what about ten seasons and ain't done nothing that yeah. you can remember yet. So yeah, I'm I'm cool on that one. But no nah, man, I, I think Russell Wilson was their hope. And yeah. the problem is this: you play in the toughest division in football. The NFC West is probably the most competitive. I know you might you might be if, if you want to say the AFC West or it's a couple of other divisions that's up the snuff. But I think if you took a survey right now, most people if they broke down all 32 teams, they're gonna tell you the NFC West right now is a gauntlet. It is a gauntlet, right? Um, that's why you see so much quarterback change in the NFC West. If you ask, that's why the 49ers make a move, the Rams make a move, then the Cardinals made their move. The only team that kept it kind of consistent over the last five to six seasons is the Seahawks because they already had Russell Wilson. <coughs> so Russell Wilson, being the, the elder statesman of the division, let's say, um, you didn't have that problem. But the problem the Seahawks do have is they also got the eldest statement as head coach, too. It might be time for old Pete Carroll to get up out of here because um, <clears throat> he seemed to be getting uh, a little stale out there. Somebody left the bread out because um, he's getting a little stale out here. <laughs> yeah. I'm just keeping it real. Like, I mean, I, I don't know what, what we're doing here. He's still out here calling play calls like the Legion of Boom. It's still out there. Like, you got Richard Sherman. Still calling Crabtree a bone. Like you don't got that no more. You you don't got you don't got Brandon Brownlee out here putting his career on the line because he out here just knocking heads off. You don't got Cam <laughs> Chancellor out here putting putting wide receivers on Sports Center for all the wrong things. You don't have that anymore. And you still out here calling plays like you do. And unfortunately, listen, here, here's the thing. This what Pete Carroll need to do. He need to go down to Tuscaloosa and call my boy Nick and say, hey, man, I'm stuck in my ways. I'm 70 plus. Man, how do I get out of this? And Nick tell him, hey, listen, you got to evolve with the game, man. You can't just because you, <laughs> you've been doing this for so long. You got to evolve with the game. If your offense is the best unit on the field, you need to make your offense the best unit on the field. Stop flopping around with your defense. Clearly, your defense ain't up to snuff no more. I mean... Listen, you got what you got, Bobby Wagner. Hey, kudos to you. You know, we were talking about Jamal uh, Adams, hit or miss, whatnot. But it's time for him to really 
If he wants to stay a head coach in today's NFL, he got to put more investment in that offense. That's just what it is. I'm sorry. But that day of defense controlling things, that's out of here, folks. Clue. But to the original question, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're by far the worst team. And remember, I asked you this in the last show. I asked you, what did, did you think that Seattle was the worst team in the NFC West at the time? And, you know, the jury was still out. I wasn't mad. Now, without Russell Wilson, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, no, it's no. hands down. Hands down the worst team in the NFC West. So, um, I think they're going to struggle. But let me let me give a little shine to the, the winning team, man. Hey, you're making me look good, Rams, even though Matt Stafford stunk up the joint in the first half. He stunk it up. <laughs> he absolutely did. Um, he stunk that joint up. However, second half, they made adjustments. I mean, and the man almost in the game with 400 yards. I mean, <laughs> And we, when you see the way he played in the first half, and then you actually see the end of the game stats, you're like, huh, he had a hell of a second half. That he did. Yeah. Um, and, you know, one of the concerns we had about the Rams coming into the season was the run game. You had Cam Akers. When you had Cam Akers, you was like, oh, we got yeah. something cooking here. Cam mm-hmm. Akers get hurt. He, you lose him to pretty much a season in the injury. And then we, we talked about, okay, so what do the Rams do now? Okay, it's cool you got Matt Stafford, but um, – yeah, what are you going to do about running backs? They go out, they make a deal, they bring in Sonny Michelle from New England, but they already had, um, De- how you say this, Daryl Henderson? Daryl Henderson. Okay, okay. I don't know why. I, I had it, some other name in my head. You know Devarius Henderson. DeVarius, yeah, I had some other dude <laughs> in my head. Um, but, so they had, you know, a diamond in the rough there already in the stable. They didn't quite know it, I'm going I'm to assume. And, um, he ended up taking over the starting, your starting snaps while Sonny Michelle learned the playbook. But it seems to me now, he just might be the starting running back in general. Um, no, no knock to Sonny Michelle, but you always go with the proven commodity instead of the new one. Um, so, you know, Henderson, he was doing his thing. And it's not like Henderson blows you away, but he does enough to keep the Rams on schedule where Matthew Stafford, because we know what Matthew Stafford like to do. He like to throw the ball. He's, he has been on maybe two teams in his whole career that had a run game. So Matthew Stafford ain't invested in no run game. At, at the same token, we know what Sean McVay want to do. He also want to throw the ball. He want to be innovative. So they got enough of a run game that allows them to do that. Then, you know, and then, like you said, we talked about this uh, before the show. The Rams got a legitimate gripe at saying we got the top wide receiver, do like the, the whole core. Not just one guy or two guys. Like, you you put our top four guys against any other team top four, we, we probably got the best of the best. Uh, and I'm talking Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Deshaun Jackson, and I'm assuming we're talking Tyler Higby or um, what's his name? Van, Van Jefferson. Jefferson. Yeah, Van, Van Jefferson. Jefferson. Um, so, and I, I throw Tyler Higby in there. I, th- I think he, he does wonderful things for him too. So, I say four plus one. Um, but either way, with that quartet, with Matthew Stafford back there, a man that likes to throw the ball. Now you get him plenty of weapons. Um, I, I just listen, man. The Rams are supposed to win this game. Let's let's get this right. Let's go ahead and get this right. When you got Seattle playing the worst defense in the division, the Rams are supposed to win this game. Now we know how the twelfth man is in Seattle, and when you play them at home at night on prime time, they usually get the people. I think that that's gone. Now. I think that's. 
you're playing in Seattle. That's about it. Like, I don't think the whole intimidation <laughs> from the stadium really exists no more. It's just cool to watch. And if you get the little rain mist, then, you know what I'm saying, you know you're in Seattle, right? Mm-hmm. But I yeah. think those days of intimidating opponents that come in, those days are long and gone. You just go in there, you beat up on Seattle, then you roll out. You know, that's just what it is now. <laughs> um, but, you know, overall, I, I, I thought this game was – this is probably the – First game, I think this this year that's been on Thursday night football at least, where I was just kind of like, yeah, because in the first half you had the Rams kind of just like flopping around. Seattle mm-hmm. was doing their thing, and then the second half we know what happened. Um, you know, and just and it's an unfortunate injury by uh, Russell Wilson, yeah. by the way. You know, what I'm saying to bring your hand down on the helmet like that and jam your finger. Oh, I know that got to hurt. Um, but. It's part of the game. Injuries are part of the game. Uh, and, you know, it, it happens. But I think last night is a direct answer to your question. When Geno Smith is the guy you got to depend on with the money on the line, yeah, you can go ahead and count that money gone. Go ahead and write, you know, write that check or go ahead and cash out whoever you got to do because, uh, that money is gone. So that said, I think Seattle has just moved to the back of the pack now. I, I don't believe in Geno Smith. I think the Rams are doing what they got to do. And unfortunately for Seattle, they play in the toughest division in football, and that does matter. I'll go. I'm gonna go the opposite way. You went bad to good. I'll, I'll start with the Rams. Let's get the, let's give them their flowers, as you say. Uh, they definitely deserve. They don't deserve the full compliment because they they played about a half of football. But that was right. that turned out to be enough. Because yeah, the first half they just I don't know what it was. Maybe it was a carryover from what was not a really good performance against Arizona last week. So maybe they still had, you know, that type of bad taste in their mouth from that game. But they, they were they were definitely shaky. And Matthew Stafford, uh, he was just missing on a lot of throws that, you know, seemingly he, he's been very good this year. Uh, we, you know, before the Arizona game, you know, I, I liked him for MVP. And I think, you know, he's still a guy that I think we're going to look at and throughout the season, he's gonna be, he's gonna be a guy that's up there because the Rams are gonna be very good. Uh, but the fir- first half, he, it was it was nothing to write home about. That interception late in the half was as atrocious as it can get. I don't know how you if you're trying to throw the ball away, you have to throw it away. I mean, you can't just throw it to the back corner where there's literally nobody in yellow and white, and then you got one dude in green just streaking across there and gets it. Oh, here's an interception. Like, yeah. Uh, but then in the second half, I mean, they turned it on. Like, and then Matthew Stafford started, you know, slinging it left and right. I mean, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, and you know, we've already talked about these wide receivers. This is, uh, I, I think that I think that is the best uh, quartet of wide receivers in the NFL. And I really think, you know, even a guy like Deshaun Jackson, who seemingly just you know can't stay on the field in recent years. I mean, it seems like they got him almost, you know, in a in the correct role. Like, I mean this guy just we're gonna play you part-time you know we're gonna manage your snaps and you're gonna come in and this this guy can still burn you so i mean he had about a, what a 60 70 yard catch last night at one point and it's it's still easy speed so that's a i mean that's an underrated dynamic to this offense and you know especially considering guys like cup and woods i mean these are guys that run the short and intermediate routes so he's definitely a valuable piece to that offense uh and I think, you know, the Rams defense, I think they're still, you know, trying to, you know, figure out, you know, how they want to play and, you know, what they'll be in the uh, in the aftermath of Brandon Staley running that defense last year. 
Uh, they showed some signs last night. Um, weren't, weren't, weren't great. You know, you, you don't feel good about giving up a 98-yard touchdown drive to Geno Smith. But, you know, I think they showed some signs. You know, these secondary corners outside of Jalen Ramsey, I think that's probably the biggest piece that they'd like to see some improvement on. But, I mean, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, they are still who they are. They're going to be uh, they're gonna be outstanding for you. So, I think the the Rams, for me, I think they're in a great position. I mean, they that losing that game to Arizona uh, hurts, but they'll get another crack at them. But, yeah, for for Seattle, um, yeah, this is uh, this this is this whole thing might need to might need to be torn down at some point. And I mean that not to say like Russell Wilson is still Russell Wilson. I don't think he's lost much of anything at this point. He's still, in my mind, a top five quarterback. But I mean, you talk about some wide receivers that you really like. Maybe you like the duo of safeties. Maybe you think, I mean, they, they got enough linebackers in there. So, that, you know, even though I think Bobby Wagner is starting to, I think we're seeing a little bit of a decline from him. But I'm really, you know, I'll take it a step further. You know, you talk about Pete Carroll, and I think he's definitely worthy of some criticism. And I, and not to say he's, you know, calling the plays, but can I interest you in, um, you know, I, there was one play sequence in the first half. It was their second drive when they turned the ball over on downs. They're at the Ram. They're inside the Rams 40, and they go Alex Collins for four, Alex Collins for four more, then DJ Dallas for nothing, and then Alex Collins for a loss of a yard. So you, you mean to tell me on – Four straight plays on one set of downs. You didn't give. You didn't let Russell Wilson make a play. What is that? Somebody needs to explain that to me because that's that's not good football. I mean, if you had Marshawn Lynch like you did in the Super Bowl, like however many years ago that was, man, maybe that makes sense. But this this isn't that team, and especially considering your starting running back wasn't there last night and Chris Carson. So I mean, I thought that that play sequence to me was uh, perplexing. And then just, like I said, outside of the wide receivers, the safeties, there's some positional groups that you can point to and say, okay, these guys are really good. But then you look at, I think, up front on, in the trenches on both sides, I'm not impressed with, you know, anything they got going on there. And then, uh, like, their corners, like, if you just if you just pull up the box score and look at, you know, the list of names. I mean, I mean you got uh, – we know Jordan Brooks because he's a first-rounder. Uh, Sidney Jones was a first round pick perpetually injured. We know about Diggs. We know about Adams. We know about Bobby Wagner. We know about Dunlap, but get a load of, uh, DJ Reed, Rasheem Green, Ryan Neal, Ugo Amadi, John Radigan. Who, who are these people? So I'm looking at a guy in John Schneider, the GM who I keep, you know, I keep hearing how, you know, he drafts DK Metcalf and we think he's the greatest, you know, GM that ever lived. But then outside of that, you look at this defense, and I don't even I don't know what this. What are you trying to sell me here? Like I mean, even on the broadcast last night, I mean, what what is it about Puna Ford that someone's trying to tell me? Oh man, Puna Ford, I love covering games where he's playing. You know that big defensive tackle. What is he doing? There's nothing impressive about Puna Ford. He's not controlling the line of scrimmage and you know holding. He's not doing. He's not pulling a Vita Vea and just clogging the line of scrimmage. Hey, listen, they got to find something to talk about, right? I mean, I mean, <laughs> I guess gras so. they grasping at straws at this point. Well, I tell you, yeah, between Puna Ford and Geno Smith, they're grasping at literally anything. I mean, this is <laughs> this is a classic case of like, man, all the bright lights are on and we try to keep the eyes. Like, we try not to put the people to sleep. They're out here literally. Geno Smith has played like four plays and they're telling us how good he is. Like, and then, but before that, Joe Buck said, yeah, Geno Smith, he hasn't thrown, but uh, 
nine passes in the past four years. I mean, there's a reason for that. The minute, like, the whole New York Jets thing was over, like, we knew Geno Smith was not a starting quarterback in this league. And I didn't even, I didn't even, I forget, because it's Russell Wilson in Seattle. He's never hurt. He's always playing. Um, I didn't even know who the backup was. I'm out here Google, who's the backup here? Because his, his finger is, looks like it's about to fall off. It's Geno Smith. Oh, my Lord. And I got it. I will say it. Uh, before the interception that blew the game at the end, I thought he did play well. But, I mean, this isn't uncommon, I think. You know, a lot of times when you see a backup come in, uh, the, the defense, time, yeah, the defense ain't prepared. Uh, you right. know, you got the adrenaline going. It's just a different look. Right. Now, when you move on and you got to, you know, the prepared. defensive coordinator knows that you that, that he's preparing for Geno Smith now, minus Russell Wilson. Um, and, I mean, I know Geno Smith, he's, he's got some decent mobility still, but he ain't got Russell Wilson mobility. And you need Russell Wilson mobility because this offensive line just ain't very good. So, yeah. Uh, is is there is it possible that Seattle can split the next two games and you get Russell Wilson back in four weeks, which is the best case scenario right now? It, it's it's I think it's possible uh, that Seattle could you know maybe tread water and then you get Russell Wilson back and then you uh, you know you figure it out and you go on a hot streak. Uh, but it's more likely than not that that's not happening because I mean I, even though you do have a couple winnable games, I mean it's Geno Smith. So, and the, the rest, of, there's not a lot on this team. He's going to have some people to throw to, but I don't, I don't see it. And I, I think this is going to be a, a really down year for Seattle. And you're going to have a, you're going to have a lot of question marks because I, I'm getting really, uh, you know, less than enamored with the whole Pete Carroll, John Schneider thing. I think it's, I think it's about run its course in all honesty. All right, so staying in the NFL, we're going to talk about our favorite first-time NFL head coach, the man that's running the show down there in Jacksonville, Florida, Mr. Urban Meyer. I know you've seen his name in headlines all over. If he ain't at a boy in Ohio, then he over there on the sideline, look like he about to throw up. He's telling you the truth about COVID process. Yes. He's giving it all, folks. Hey, if you cannot say anything for Urban Meyer, you got to say he entertaining this year as a head coach. Now, I don't particularly like my head coach to be acting like this, but, hey, it is what it is. He's just joining the city that he's in, Jacksonville. Hey, shout out to you, George. But with that said, Jay, I got to ask you this. Will Urban Meyer make it through his first year as an NFL head coach? <laughs> That's... It seems it seems like a ridiculous question, but when you when you have the owner out here like publicly like scolding you, you got a team apology, which I heard from someone like uh, it wasn't even a team apology. He like apologized to positional groups and just just everything's a mess. And then you have I like uh you know at Jacksonville correspondent, you know he had a he had a point that I thought there was some merit to. It was like you know if you if on one hand if you have the if you have the situation that he didn't fly back with the team and then you have the situation where, you know, the, the thing at the bar or whatever, if you, if those are separate or it's just like one of those things happen, then maybe this ain't a huge deal. But when you combine the two, it's like, okay, man, what, what is this? Like, and, it, and I, I don't know what it is, but I can tell you what it's not. It's not professional football. You know, this is, I don't know. I don't know what we think we're doing here, urban, but like, this isn't college where you can just run amok and do whatever you want. And it's all about you. Like this, this isn't, this isn't the type of thing. I think, you know, we can, 
you can get away from. Like, and I, the whole thing, you know, if you're a rookie head coach and your team's 0-4, and, and I'm not I'm not knocking anybody for wanting to spend time with their family. I get all that. I'm sensitive to that. But, you, I mean, you got a job to do, and you are well compensated for it. And they, you know, Jacksonville didn't try literally everything under the sun in the past, you know, couple of years. And they said, oh, look at this. We got the Urban Meyer over here. We got the Trevor Lawrence over here. And we're going to bring them together. It's going to be great. And it is far from great right now. You know, it just, and it's not just these two situations. It's the, it's the Thursday night football it, uh, a couple weeks ago when they played Cincinnati. And uh, whoever is calling with Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, and they're saying, yeah, well, we talked to uh, both of these guys. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence is feeling awful uh, confident here. And Urban Meyer wasn't as confident. What is, what kind of message is that? You know what I'm saying? Like, and I know we like to, we like to, um, I think we appreciate when the players come out and they're honest and they give us like access and all that. But Urban Meyer got to, he got to dial this crap back, you know, from the, from the COVID stuff. Like, yeah, we took vaccinations into account for, uh, you know, whether or not we're going to cut somebody like, okay, Urban, we know everybody's doing that, but like, the, the, that's, you got a little bit too much, you know, at least don't, let's not be so brazen about, you know, some of the foolishness. What are you, what are you a democratic politician now? Like, is that what we're doing? So I, I just, this is, it's hilarious to me what's happening. The one thing, one thing, if you notice, if you're actually paying attention, Jacksonville has, they have made some strides week to week, but it, it gets lost. It gets lost in the sauce. We just have all this extracurricular garbage like it, it detracts from all that. Cause like, you know, week one, they, they get blasted by Houston. And then, you know, last week it was, okay, we played Cincinnati. We had a, we played a great first half and then we just couldn't get it done in the end. But nobody's thinking about that right now because now we're thinking about Urban Meyer. Uh, he didn't fly back with the team cause he was stuck in Ohio. And now he's like fooling around with the bar with like women that are like 40 years younger than him. So it's just, it's just <laughs> foolish. So, I mean, I, it's hard to like imagine that he could like not finish a full year. But then again, we've seen so much just craziness in the first four weeks that at this rate, I gotta say, no, I don't, I don't have confidence that he'll be there the whole year. And I, I got a feeling we're gonna have some uh, medical condition pop up in like three weeks and that'll be the end of it. Yes, oh, I'm so glad you ended like just like that. <laughs> Cause that's where I want to start. That's what I foresee happening here. When you notice when Urban Meyer on the sideline, he do he'd be doing this thing a lot, and he does he's got this. his he's got his legs spread like twenty yards he, apart. He all <laughs> like this, and he's like, hey, man, yeah. that, was, that was a rough night, man. Man, hey, who got my Milana? I need my toms. Got heartburn over here, you know. <laughs> He'd be doing all his best, and uh, I'm like, "What is going on over there? God, get that dude a bucket or something. Give him some, <laughs> give him some coffee, some water, some sober him up. I guess I don't know. Um, not to say he be drunk during the games. I don't know if he be drunk. I'm just cracking jokes here. Um, but with that said, I'm I'm with you. Uh, listen, I I think he will finish the season. However. If he does not finish the season, it will be for some medical reason. I don't think – I think even with all the shenanigans that's happening, right, NFL teams try – I would say they try to exit you the right way, meaning they try not to embarrass the head coach to the fullest that they can. So I would not be surprised if, you know, the owner, the GM comes out with some, some kind of article, hey, you know – 
we agreed to split, you know, mutually yeah, agreed mutually, to part yeah. ways. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and then Urban Mars like, yeah, you know my family. My... Hey, hold on, let me stick a pin in that in that for a minute. You said, you know, I can understand a guy want to go visit his family. I can understand that too. What I can't understand <laughs> is if you went to go visit your family, who is this? And what? <laughs> What? Where are your hands, Irvin? Where are your hands at? They they looked like they was getting pretty warm out there. I don't know if you was cold or something, but uh, I'm just saying you was a tad bit handsy in that uh, shall I say that looks like a pretty young establishment you was in. But you know, neither here nor there. You was at home to visit time with your family. All right, go we'll spend some time with your family. Got it. So, with that said, you know, and you know. He, we know his health condition. I honestly don't think he's gonna make it through. I think some health wise is gonna happen. They're gonna split ways, and then Trevor Lawrence gonna get him a new coach next year. Um, but in into interim, somebody need to get him an NFL head coach hand guide. The manual. Need, the, the manual. <laughs> he needs to go talk to somebody and ask them what are the standard operation procedures in the NFL. Because clearly, he is lost in the sauce, folks. He out here thinking, I don't know where he think. I don't even know if he think he in Ohio State right now. He out here pulling crap like he's still coaching Utah. Like, in some small school where he can just get away with doing whatever the, the world he want to do. Because some of this tomfoolery is just ridiculous. You, know okay. you know what this reminds me of? It makes me... And I know it's not the same thing, and it may be insulting to some degree, but this this makes me think of Freddie Kitchens. No joke, it does. I would say, yeah, I would say, you know, Freddie Kitchens with the way he handled Baker Mayfield, he had on a day starting his shirt, or he started yeah, the shirt. I, I would say that that was pretty some some trash right there. I'm not gonna lie. Only thing I would say, and you could probably say this in both instances, in, in both um. Example, only right? di- the, the only difference to me was we we know who Urban Meyer is. We didn't know right. we know we didn't know about Freddie Kitchens except that long twenty year resume where he showed no career progression. So it makes you think this. The the parallel that may, that I can say is it does make you question: Were either one of these guys ready to be an NFL head coach? Mm. That's what it makes you question, and that's why I understand your parallel because Lord knows. You most definitely was on Freddie Kitchens' case from day one, and yes. rightfully so. And I think we both was kind of on this Urban Meyer thing, like, oh no, man, oh no, it did all this is going on. Now you definitely like, oh, I definitely don't know, dog. Um, and, and and just think about this, right? What team want their head coach to be the center of attention? Like, you, okay, if you take. Give me New England. If you say, well, in New England, Bill Belichick sent over attention. For what reason, though? What what right. reason is he yeah. sent over attention? <laughs> That's, right? Yeah. That, if but, your coach has six rings and you just lost your, you know, franchise's best player ever, I mean, that's that's a special scenario. But yeah, I agree with you. By and large, you don't. I mean, you want you want people talking about the players who are like making stuff happen. You know what I'm saying? Like this this instance where. Uh, all the cameras and all the attention, and I, I would assume the players are getting asked about this, some of this crap too. This is this is not it. I mean, 
at this rate, if Irv Meyer keep this up, people gonna start buying tickets just to see what he doing on the sideline. Like, <laughs> hey, Tre- Trevor Lawrence. We, we, uh, we oh, need, yeah, yeah. we do need, we need our own like Urban Meyer camera tucked in the top <laughs> right of the screen. I think that would be something I'd be interested in having. <laughs> They about to, they about to have a contest. Hey, win two tickets on the sideline next to just, Urban Meyer. Just stand when, next to Urban Meyer. Yeah. When the times get tough, to see the realistic responses of an NFL head coach, like that's what's about to go down. But you know, in all seriousness, look, man, Urban got to tighten it up. But I do think as long as he stopped with the Tom Fool, he could make it through the season. But something tells me we about to get because. He pulled this at Florida, right? He got, oh, man, my heart, oh, my health, boom, boom. Then he go to Ohio State. <laughs> it always happens after he gets himself in hot water. Right. So when he got himself in hot water in Florida, which I still don't know how he got away with that 2008 National Championship team when you look at that roster. Then he goes <laughs> to Ohio State, make, make some things shake, make it happen, and then all of a sudden, you know, assistant coaches out here with sexual assault and beating on their wives and all this other stuff. And then Irvin Meyer, hey, 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 I ain't know what it was. Hey, Ron, you ready? You ready, you ready Ron? Oh, man, I ain't feeling good, but hell, I want to spend more time with my family, which was probably that girl we seen him at the bar with, but who's neither here nor there. I want to spend more time with my family. Uh, I'm handing over the team to Ron, but hey, they said I can keep my office. Well, how weird is that? He still got an office at Ohio State. All right, but they said I can keep my office over there. So, Ryan, you going to move your stuff next to mine, and you got it, buddy. You know, hey. You know, another thing, if I was HBO, I would, like, completely about face and, like, say, hey, never mind Indianapolis. We're going to Jacksonville. We're going to see what this is about. I surely would. <laughs> that I would. I, you'll get it, though, better than this. I'd that watch that, good. by the way. I'm telling you, they're not a good team, so you ain't got to worry about messing up no chemistry. And then you got a head coach that's going to give you at least one or two headlines. Then you got a quarterback that's been the golden child since he's been born, feel like. So you know he's going to be out here. Let's go, boys. You're going to have some players out there. F you. You know, like, whatever. You know, So I'm, I'm here for it. Let me tell you, I am here for it, um, to, to say the least. But, you know, in our, yeah, like, like when, the tough, when the times got tough for Urban, he always bounced out of there. So that's why I say, with everything that he went through in this season, I would not be surprised if those migraines come back or that heart condition or whatever excuse he's been using. And he say, you know, yeah, I, I gave it a good old try to, to, you know, see, challenge myself with the NFL. I couldn't hack it, put too much stress on my family with that chick at the bar. And now I need to go ahead and move it on and, and go back to the broadcast booth because I, I would under. I would, I would have to think that he got his job in the broadcast booth again once he does hang it up. But, yeah, man, I would not be surprised if he gone ahead and part ways because of his health this season. All right, so, you know, we got week five coming up. You know, we got the best of the best going over there to London. So that game coming on at 930 Sunday, just, a, you know, a scheduling warning. That game coming on at 930 in the morning on Sunday. We got the New York Jets and the Falcons. Um, the big game we got on NBC, we got a rematch of the uh, AFC Championship, the Buffalo Bills versus the Kansas City Chiefs. So with that said, Jay, what else are you looking forward to with the uh, Sunday and Monday action? Hey, folks. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I know we got an early London startup, but uh, 
I, I wouldn't. I, I'm not gonna hold nobody. I ain't gonna hold it against nobody if y'all sleep in on that one. You know, you had a long Saturday night. You stayed up. You know, God forbid, you stayed up and watched some late Pac-12 action. Y'all go ahead. Hey, hit the snooze button for a little bit. I don't think. I think you'll survive that one. Uh, but you know, outside of that, I think. Um, I'm looking at Denver and Pittsburgh. That's one that I'll have an eye on. I'm seeing. Um, I'm seeing two teams on you know <clears throat> opposite ends of the spectrum right now. I see Denver as an uh, as a team on the ascent. They were they weren't very good against uh, Baltimore last week, particularly offensively. We know Teddy Bridgewater knocked knocked out the game with the concussion. Um, he is he is going to start if he clears that uh, concussion protocol, which I think would be in their benefit if he can do that, because uh, Drew Locke was not very good at all in relief. And then, but it, but then on the flip side, Pittsburgh. It looks like they're on the decline, the decline right now. But uh, Denver's only favored by one point in this game. It is at Heinz Field. So does Pittsburgh, and I know it's getting late out here because it's one and three, but it already feels like Pittsburgh getting too far behind. Um, I think this is the game. If Pittsburgh's going to make a stand and start to right the ship, so to speak, um, it's got to be this one. I do think Denver, though, is going to get it done. If Teddy Bridgewater plays, if Drew Locke is coming out there, I think it gets a little bit more dicey uh, just with the way uh, he doesn't, doesn't take care of the football. Uh, Miami and Tampa, I think that stands out a little to me. I think Tampa's uh, Tampa's got some injury concerns right now. This secondary is just a mess. Anytime you're out here, you know, uh, you've called up Richard Sherman from off the street, uh, incorporated, uh, fresh off whatever charges that he's dealing with. And then you got, don't get me started on Ross Cockrell, for God's sake. But uh, when you got Carlton Davis and uh, Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean, uh, the whole cornerback room is off. Antoine Winfield, he ain't playing in this game either. So they got problems all over the place in the secondary. Also, I think Gronk's going to miss another game. So um, I, Tampa Bay, I think this is still a game uh, they should win because, the you know, I believe Jacoby Brissett is still in line to start another game for Tua. And Tampa Bay is a 10-point favorite in this game. So I think Tampa will win the game. But they are vulnerable um, at, at certain positional groups, particularly in the secondary. So, you know, they – that could that could be a lot of points scored in that one. And I think a couple more stand out. I'll just I'll just stick with the Saints and uh, the old football team. And I'm particularly interested in the in the Saints portion of this. I'd like to know who the Saints are at this point. We've seen week one they good, week two they're not good, week three they good, week four not good. Like which who are the Saints? Like we got some like we out here losing to the Giants last week. I uh, and I'm just. I'm just, I was really hoping to start a weekly subject where we could just, you know, just pull up the state and say, okay, time for the where are you New York segment where we say, will New York get their first win this week? And then both teams just somehow get a win thanks to the Titans and the Saints substandard play. But seriously, who who are the New Orleans Saints? Like, are they the team that just blitzed the uh, Packers in week one or are they, they the team that, um, uh, you know they can't they can't beat the Giants and they they getting lit up by Daniel Jones, so I'd like to know to answer that question. I'm leaning I'm leaning towards they're the team that uh, has won two games. They get Washington. Washington, you know, is still the Taylor Heineke show. He's been decent, but I think the Saints defense is good enough. Listen, if they can lay the wood to Aaron Rodgers, and maybe he wasn't like all there in Week One, but they they should be able to get it done. As always, Jameis Winston turnovers. They got to get out. Alvin Kamara right now. I mean, he he he's just shy of 300 yards rushing so far. Not not averaging four yards a carry. They got to get this guy going. Uh, you know, outside of that, 
there, there, there's a lot of great, a uh, lot of great other matchups, but uh, I think you're uh, looks like you're gonna take those for us. Go ahead, brother. Okay. All right. So then you know we're gonna start in this one o'clock window. Um, I'm looking at the Green Bay Packers versus Cincinnati Bengals, folks. And um, right here, you heard it first. I'm calling the Cincinnati Bengals in this one. Um, here's the deal. Uh, Green Bay defense, it seems like they're going to go into, the, you know, this matchup without that number one corner, Yair um, Alexander. Um, so you're going to be down your number one corner. The catch you got on the other side, Sidney King, shall I say more, we've seen what he can do when the lights get the brightest, <laughs> give up a whole lot of plays. Yeah. Um, and then you got the backup coming in behind Yair. And listen, Joe Burrow, he's starting to get, he seems he's getting his rhythm. And he got some guys to throw it to. T. Higgins coming back off injury um, this Sunday. And you know what Jamar Chase doing. You know what Ty, uh, Tyler Boyd is doing. Um, no Joe Mixon. No Joe Mixon. But listen, I, I think they got enough. Um, I think they got enough where I'm, I'm feeling very confident about Cincinnati. I think Green Bay is going to have a hard time stopping them. And then I think on the other side, the Bengals defense ain't like they don't wow you. But that defensive line does cause a lot of problems. And then if it's a position group that can get Aaron Rodgers rattled, it's when he see them big boys up front pushing his boys somewhat backwards. Right. Um, that gets him rattled. And then on top of that, when he gets rattled, he has to ask himself, hey, 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 where you at, Devontae? Yeah, hey, where you at, baby? Oh, oh, oh. And it's a sack. So um, I say that to say um, – He's not much confident in these other guys. So if you get him to rolling, get him to thinking, I think this, uh, the Bengals can have um, a lot of success there. So I'm taking the Bengals for the upset. And then the next game I want to talk about, the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Carolina Panthers is the deal. Um, we've seen what the Panthers did over the week. They replaced um, you know, J.C. Horn with, um, uh, with Stephon Gilmore. There we go. I couldn't get his name out. Stephon Gilmore, and on top of that, they had already signed CJ, the free agent CJ Henderson. So they, listen, for what for what is worth, the the Panthers are making this very clear. They think this season they're a playoff contender, and they're going for it. I like what they they're going for it. They lost their first round pick. They say, hey, who who out there? Who, who the best we can get up out there? Oh oh, CJ Henderson. Oh cool cool cool. All right, now we got a guy. Oh what? Stephon Gilmore. Oh you want a six rounder? Sign me up. Go ahead and go get them. They go get them. They bring stuff on Gilmore, which I think is a steal. Evidently, though, with that trade, something tells me Carolina must agree that they can extend him to a long-term contract sometime in the near future. So we'll see how that go. I know the NFL players don't have much, you know, much say-so in what they do as, you know, the NBA per se. But just the way this went down tells me I wouldn't be surprised if you see some type of extension of some sort for um, Gilmore. So, with that said, though, all that great goodness, I'm going with the Eagles. Here's the deal. Um, the Eagles, I thought, played Kansas City very, very well um, oh, this last week. It was, I don't know, man. The, the referent in that game kind of got had me a little shook. It seemed like every time the Eagles scored a touchdown, I mean, I'm not saying, like, they're the most disciplined team or anything, but it was like, touchdown, touchdown, First down, touchdown. I was like, man, the Eagles can't catch a break. They can't catch. They literally, what is going on here? Um, if Jalen Hurts would have got the credit that he deserved, man would have threw for like five touchdowns. Like they was going off, but they, I don't know what's going on with that referee now. So, 
and Philadelphia was at home. Like, what? Come on, what? I thought we were supposed to get the home cooking, baby. But I guess not. Um, so with that said, I thought Philadelphia showed me enough in that game. Sam Donald, he missing his boy CMC in the back. Um, and I think you could put more pressure on him because you know he he looking for um DJ Moore most of the time. He got he got the speech to Robert Anderson. But I, I, I'm gonna be real. Um listen, that bag up, he ain't getting it done. They they need Christian McCaffrey back like yesterday. Um and he's cool, but he's just not enough. He's not or should I say he's not up to standard enough that where Sam Donald could continue doing what he was doing when he had Christian McCaffrey. I say that. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take, yeah, I'm gonna take the Eagles in that one in the upset. And then I'm down in the four o'clock window. I'm looking at the Cleveland Browns versus the um, Los Angeles Chargers. Here's the deal. We, we know what Justin Herbert been doing. He's been bringing in the good since he's been in the league. I, I love to see it. However, I think this Sunday he's going to be running for his life because as good as that offensive line is, you telling me you're going to put this rookie against Miles Garrett. I'm taking Miles Garrett. Um, and then you you talking about the other side of the line. Listen, Cleveland been kind of sleepwalking a little bit. I'm not going to lie. The defense hasn't really played to what I thought I was going to see. However, I think this is going to be one of the most intimidating defenses that Justin Herbert is going to deal with. And I think they have the athletes to make the likes of Mike Williams work for what he's going to get. Keenan Allen work for what he's going to get. And, and, and Austin Eckler will be probably their best weapon in this game. But I got a feeling Cleveland might have something for that. So, with that said, Justin Herbert is going to have to earn it. If if the Chargers win this game, Justin Herbert is going to really have to – he's going to put the team out there on his back. I think that Cleveland defense is built to give the Chargers a very hard time. I'm taking Cleveland in, in this one. But I'm going to say this. Also, Cleveland's offense, I think a Bay – Baker Mayfield might have the game that we waiting on him to have. He hasn't really had that game this season. But you just like, man, he's been efficient, but he hasn't been eye-popping. He hasn't been box office. Um, I think this game, even though the Chargers, Chargers got a very good pass rush. Uh, Bosa, they, hey, these boys out here playing. Very good. However, I also think Cleveland got an offensive line that can stone them a little bit. So I'm, I'm going to take Cleveland. In this one, I think Cleveland going to uh, have Justin Herbert running running for his life in this one. And then the main event, the big game, you know, as I call it, um, Sunday night, NBC, Chris Collinworth, Al Michaels, you know what it is. Sunday night football. All right, so we got the Chiefs, two-and-a-half-point favorites, even though they haven't brought defense since the preseason. And then going against the Bills, like I said, it's a rematch of the AFC Championship game. Yes, folks, I'm, also, I'm calling the Bills in this one. I, I think – Listen, Josh Allen, as long as he had that confidence and know who he is and what their team is, I think they have a very good chance of keeping up with, with the Chiefs and beating the Chiefs. I just They have to come into the stadium with that conference because the game is in Arrow, Arrowhead. So they're going to need to come in there with the confidence that they can beat the Chiefs. And if they do that, they will beat the Chiefs because I think the Buffalo Bills are a better team than the Chiefs right now. Um, because, yeah, okay, you want to give me Patrick Mahomes? Okay, Patrick Mahomes is better than Josh Allen. I ain't going to argue that. You know, I'm not going to argue that. If you want to tell me Tyreek Hill is better than Stephon Diggs, okay, cool. But Stephon Diggs is better than anybody else Kansas City got. And I like Travis Kelsey. I really do. But, I mean, listen, I, I don't think the guy, you know, 
um, Knox over there. I don't think he's like roadkill. And then off the offensive line, we're gonna compare the offensive lines. I think that's a, a win for Buffalo in, in, in the offensive line department. Then we go to defense. I know we ain't gonna talk about defense. We're talking defense, so we know who got the better overall defense. I mean, even if you take the big money guys out of the situation, we know who got the better the defense. So you know, um, if you want to go head coach, and I give Andy Reid that 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 check in the box or so McDermott, but. When it's all said and done, I think Buffalo comes in now. They do what they got to do. They beat their chest. They beat Kansas City. And they make a statement to – they make a claim at the statement of being the number one team in the AFC. Right, we now move on to the college football preview. I've been looking forward for, I don't know, the whole week. We get – um, you know, starting off at noon on ESPN, we get the two teams who um, tried to play Georgia and Alabama last week. That will be Arkansas and Ole Miss. So we'll see uh, which team is capable of, uh, you know, getting off the mat in that one. And Lane Kiffin got a popcorn refill for us. We will see. Also got the Red River rivalry on noon on ABC. Uh, Georgia's going to meet uh, Auburn in the uh, the CBS 330 game, and they get a double hitter on CBS. We get Alabama and Texas A&M in the nightcap at 8. Wait, wait, we we'll, don't we'll call that the Dun 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 game no more. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to <laughs> trying to just pick my spots in that one. I don't do the musical interpretations every time. Uh, and then we got a big one in the Big Ten. We'll see uh, Penn State and Iowa at 4 uh, p.m. on Fox. Uh, somehow that's not the big noon game. I guess Ohio State. It's written in their contract that even when they play uh, the likes of Maryland, that has to be big noon. But anyway, drink. What you looking forward to tomorrow? Okay, so one one like I guess. Um, Challenge. Uh, I, I don't know what kind of note you'll call this, but so yes, Oklahoma and Texas is the big noon game. However, the big noon commentating crew would be at the four o'clock game on Fox, which is Penn State and Iowa. So the A team will be calling gotcha. the four o'clock game. But that makes me feel a lot better. Thank you for that. Um. So with that said, um, rolling into it, like you said, the uh, the two contenders last week that, that turned out to be pretenders when they went against real contenders, uh, double, uh, double 13 Arkansas, double 17 Ole Miss. Um, they're giving Ole Miss 5.5 um, as far as the spread go. I agree with that. Here's the deal. Ole Miss still can play offense very, very well. What I think we seen last week against Alabama was their defense just – you can miss me with the improvement on defense, all right? Yeah, I hit with some big 12 crap lane, and that's what got proven last week, right? You just, yeah, that looks all good until you actually play a team, and then you, you made your comment before the game, and you see how that turned out. And <laughs> I told you this before the show. I don't know if Lane really meant to say that. I just felt like he got caught up in the moment, and he said it, and he realized he, what he said. That's why he threw the headset off and ran off. And now it's going to follow him probably for the rest of his career. I don't know, but it's going to follow him for a while. <laughs> and then over to Arkansas. Um, listen, now here's the thing. Arkansas's talent is built a little better to face a team like Ole Miss than it is to face a team like Georgia. Because Georgia recruits at such an elite level, your top player on your team probably wouldn't even start for Georgia. But that's not the same thing for Ole Miss, Right. Your top person on your team probably can start for Ole Miss, not for Georgia. And we've seen that from the opening get. Now, I would say this. Both teams was on the road to more superior teams. So you got to kind of take what you seen last week with a grain of salt and think 
Throw that out. You probably get a different game. I do think Ole Miss win this game because they just have the more consistent offense. I think Lane Kiffin, he's going to come out here and try to prove himself because he's tired of the popcorn jokes. And <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that goes. So, yeah, noon. Um, the Red River robbery. Hey, here's the deal, folks. This game is very, very important for the Pac-12 future. Um, because I, I, the way I look at this, the winner of this game, we had an inside track to the playoffs. Winning this game very well might be the playoff representative for the Big 12. Now, I know what you're saying. Well, Oklahoma lose. They only got one loss. Well, you know, they could <laughs> run it back. And they very well could. I'm not, you know, you still got a Big 12 championship game to play. You know, so very well. But I'm, I'm going to tell you Oklahoma fans this. If you lose this game, you can hang it up. Do you not see how people feel about your team when you win games? Imagine mm -hmm. how they're going to feel when you lose a game. Like, we don't believe in you. And then you think you're going to lose a game and all of a sudden we're going to have more belief in, in you after a loss than we do after a win? Nah, player. So, um, yeah, for Oklahoma to stay alive, they have to win this game in my book. And then for Texas, listen, they playing with house money. They already lost a big game. So they can get to come in here and kind of play with house money and B. John Robinson run all over Oklahoma defense left and right. And, you know, the, the kid um, – Thompson coming here throwing the ball because I'm telling you, man, uh, Oklahoma, man, uh, it's it's Spencer Rattler and a bunch of dudes. That's what Oklahoma is right now. Spencer Rattler and a bunch of dudes. That offensive line is so lackluster. That offensive line is terrible, and that's where Lincoln Riley probably pulling out the smooth hair that he got over there on the divisor because he probably like I don't know what to do <laughs> with this lackluster offensive line. And Texas got enough talent to give him fits. And I'm not sure, like I said, I'm not sure if Oklahoma will be able to consistently stop Texas from running the ball because they have at least a top three running back, if not the top running back in the nation in B. John Robinson. So, yeah, the winner of that one going to probably, you know, and if I got to make a pick right now, I'm going to go with Texas. I just believe in Texas more than Oklahoma right now. It's just Spencer Rattler and a bunch of dudes. Then number two, Georgia, visiting number 18, Auburn. Now, I'm – let me tell you something I find interesting in this game. 15 points. I'm going to assume that game spread will go down to 14 points by the time the game starts, which tells me that Vegas must think Georgia finna come in here sleepwalking and sleepwalking at a high level because it's not a player on Auburn outside of the running back Tank, uh, Tank Bixby that I care to even. Bo Nix, you better stop it. That, that guy that was that TJ Finley just transferred from uh, LSU this year? Nah, no, not good enough. Against this defense? Sheesh. So what it tells me is the only reason this is going to be a game is because Georgia going to come out here just slopping around with the Curry Smart special, not taking it serious, <laughs> and, and Auburn's going to stick around in the game. And then Georgia going to finally say, dang, last time I checked, yo, we Georgia. Let's just go ahead and steamroll these dudes in the fourth quarter, get it over with. And that's what I, what I think going to happen. So I do see the spread going down to 14 points because I just don't think Vegas believe Georgia going to play a full 60 minutes in this one. And then, you know, Boise State, BYU. Now, the reason this is interesting kind of jumps on the back of something else that's interesting. Cincinnati beat Notre Dame last year. It was pretty much put Notre Dame out of the picture because we didn't believe in them from the start. I mean, 
They didn't play good enough ball to make us believe in them, right? So now Cincinnati is the team, the group of five team that's beating their chest. They say, hey, before y'all say no group of five teams, give our resume a look. Look at our body of work. Look at our, our game tape and give us the eye test and all the, these other measurables that we use for every other team. Come holler at us. Now, Cincinnati went and took care of business and other teams went flopping around. Now you got BYU in the top 10. Now you got to ask yourself, when the last time we seen two group of five teams in the top 10? So this is getting a little interesting here. Because what if BYU go make some noise and they end up going up in the rankings? <laughs> and they get close to Cincinnati. Hey, I'm just saying, this year we might get a group of five team in the playoffs and one in the New Year's Six Bowl. And that that's going to be some history, folks. So <clears throat> you got to keep an eye on that. And then um, this is the game I think is the, the, the main event of, of Saturday's action. Um, and this is the game that uh, Joel Klatt and Gus um, Johnson going to call the 18, Jenny Taff, all of them. Number four, Penn State going to Iowa to play number three, Iowa. This is the game, folks. Um, this is the main event. As you see, it's only a one-and-a-half-point spread. So that's let you know right there. They think this one's going to come down to the final minute. Field goal, something, something, you know, all that goodness. It's going to be rocking in there. We always say this. Iowa good for beating a, one good team a year. They always good for that. This year, they playing like they good enough to beat two good teams a year. And I think Penn State, I think this game is very, very important for, mul for multiple reasons. Um, but with that said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take Iowa. And I think Iowa really got to win this game because – Iowa don't have the horses on the back end of their schedule to justify them doing anything else if they don't win. Now, I will say this. Iowa could lose this game, clear the rest of their schedule, because it ain't pretty. It's a pretty bad schedule. And then go to the Big Ten Championship, play the winner of the other side, and still get in. So I will say that. However, if they lose this game and then mess around with anybody else on their schedule, they done, because that schedule is not looking good. However, Penn State got a gunless role over here. Penn State, yeah, they still got to play Ohio State. They still got to play Michigan State. They still got to play Michigan. It is not easy on that side of the bracket. Yeah. So Penn State could, you know, I don't. You, you don't want to lose this game for Penn State and then know you what you got on the back end of the schedule. So this game is very, very important. Make no mistake though, you know you still got Ohio State in the mix. You still got Michigan playing some um, football. You still got Michigan State. The Big Ten will have a representative because you know, I know me and you talked about this before the show, and we're, we're, we're in agreement. Big Ten will have a representative, but I do hear some people that say, Big Ten ain't that good. Just because Ohio State lost the game? Oh, Ohio State lose the game, not a Big Ten, not that good, huh? <clears throat> Come on, man. You, you, you got to knock it off. So that's the game that has a lot of playoff implications to me. Then you got um, the 7.30, the primetime game on ABC, number nine, Michigan, three-and-a-half-point favorite over um, Nebraska. Hey, Michigan, three-and-a-half three over Nebraska, that ain't it. When that? I mean, we seen Nebraska play all right with Ohio State, but when else did we see Nebraska play good enough where they should be a three-and-a-half-point underdog to you? Like, are you kidding me? So something tells me Vegas ain't buying something Michigan doing. It's something that Michigan doing. Yeah. They saying, this is fake. This is, the, as Colin Cowherd called it, the fake idea of college football. So it's something fake out here 
that Michigan got going on. And we'll see. We'll see. I got Michigan in that game. They should win that game, but we got some mm-hmm. other stuff to talk about. And then, you know, last but not least, like you said, the the second half of the the doubleheader of the da, 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 da. So um eight o'clock <laughs> on CBS, got number one Alabama, um eighteen point favorite over Texas A and M. Um I thought that spread would have been a little higher, I'm not gonna lie, but clearly mm-hmm. I know why. Cause Alabama don't play a full sixty minutes. Like I don't know what we got going on. Um, <laughs> you get we give you an awesome first thirty minutes, and then that second thirty minutes is just like, woo, let's try this water balloons and all this other crap going on. I don't know. Um, but if they stay focused, this game should be over relatively fast. Cause um, once again, and I, I just say this for the third week in a row. I don't know what the hell Texas A and M got going on that quarterback, but it ain't it. Like that guy is not good, and. <laughs> It seems as as if the rest of the team around the quarterback ain't as good as I thought they was either. This was supposed to be the year you got all, some of these super seniors coming back and, oh, we got four-year starters and all this other stuff. I thought Jimbo Fisher was going to have them boys humming. But as you see, they started in the top ten, now they unranked. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on the week, week six action. It's a uh, it's a good one. This is a second straight week to you know that we really got a whole lot to chew on. I'm looking at uh, you know I think uh, I think uh, I think I tend to agree with you in this Red River rivalry, which to me is lost some of its luster recently. It doesn't like fire me up as it used to. I think there's a handful of rivalry games that are played mid season that are like that. But um yeah, I, I, Oklahoma hasn't done anything that's really impressive. Like all their games outside of beating uh, Western Carol Western Carolina or whoever it was by seventy six. I mean, every other game's been within seven points, and they haven't played anybody who's you know particularly impressive. Like maybe maybe Nebraska's getting some love in that Nebraska Michigan game because Nebraska played them close. Maybe that's plausible, but I mean, even so, you know, I'm I'm not moved by what Oklahoma has done. Uh, I, I think they they will lose a game at some point. It could very well be this one. Um, you do have this guy, B. John Robinson, who's having a heck of a season so far. I believe he's in the Heisman conversation. Uh, I thought Spencer Rattler was going to be in the Heisman conversation, but I'm, I don't, judging by what I'm seeing, I mean, I don't think this is quite it. I mean, we're not having the, um, I'm not seeing the wild factor that we've seen from, you know, the past three quarterbacks that Lincoln Riley was churning out there. Um, so I, I'm leaning Texas that way, although, I mean, it's, it, I think it'll be a classic shootout type game. Uh, back and forth so we'll see Mike could be one of those games where you know it comes down to last possession wins uh, of course Georgia and Auburn uh, you know the biggest thing the biggest thing for me uh, overall this weekend is do we see a team that can close the gap with Alabama and Georgia because I know right now for me I'm looking at Alabama and Georgia those to me are clearly the two best teams we thought they might get challenged last weekend uh, it was not to be Georgia um, you know took care of Arkansas Alabama took care of Ole Miss. Those games were over by halftime. And so, I mean, can Auburn test Georgia? They are at home. So, Bo Nix plays well at home. But, I mean, this defense is something different with what Georgia's bringing out there. So, I mean, that's going to be a tall task. So, we'll have to see. And, of course, uh, yeah, A&M and Alabama. A&M, we we was feeling them early. I know you had an injury at the quarterback position. We get all that. But they are about to go to 0-3 in the conference. And for a team that, you know, they was fifth in the preseason, 
and now they're unranked, and now they're going to be even more unranked if that's possible after this week. Um, this is uh, look, we had we had we was giving Jimbo credit last year, like man, you just missed it, like you, you, you I mean, you lost to uh, Alabama, but outside of that, you took care of all your business, and I mean, this is I mean, you just lost to Mississippi State, um, and I don't think they're particularly, I don't think they're that good, so they're about to be three and three, and all three losses in the conference. It's I mean, even your one non-conference game that was power five, you beat Colorado by three. So uh, they're, they're a mess right now. And I am surprised that the line is that generous. Uh, it, it must be that Vegas is like, well, Alabama, they're going to they gonna come out there and they'll be, uh, they're going to take a quarter off or something. So um, outside of that, you know, the other thing, Penn State and Iowa, that's obviously a huge game. I, I'm looking for that similar to what I just said about Bama and Georgia is one of those teams. Does one of those teams, you know, perform in such a way that you say, okay, maybe one of these teams out of the big 10 has something for Georgia and Alabama. Uh, I'm not, I'm not sure what to make of that one. I'll, I'll have to see it play out, but, I, but I, your point is correct. We, we looked at the schedules. We looked at what Iowa's got. They playing out West, the, the big 10 West, the big 10 West ain't much out there. It's, it's Iowa. Because uh, Wisconsin's not good, we, we haven't we don't we haven't seen Minnesota. You know they kind of we, we still waiting for them to get back on their feet. Uh, Nebraska, I mean, ain't no need use talking about some of these other teams. But Penn State, look, you go out east, they they got a they do have a gauntlet. They have all the teams you mentioned. So obviously, either team that loses this game, it's not over for them, especially for Penn State. They're gonna have opportunities down the line with three uh, three games coming up with uh, Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan. And uh, so, yeah, both both teams can survive by losing this game. But especially for Penn State, if they lose, they lose this one. It's hard to imagine that they could beat all three of those teams down the line. You know, that that's just going to be a tall ask. And you need I think you need you need those you need those games because it's going to be at this point, it looks like I was going to win the Big Ten West. So they're going to be in the Big Ten title game, maybe probably regardless if they lose this game. Penn State, on the other hand, they, they might need this game even more, even though they're still going to have plenty of opportunities to impress the committee. But it's just a situation of one side being stronger, similar to how the SEC West is stronger than the SEC East. You know, the other game, uh, there's one more that I'm thinking of because I was very impressed with Kentucky last week beating Florida in Lexington for the first time in 35 years or whatever. Let me tell you, Kroger Field was lit. I didn't even know it was called Kroger Field. They right next to the food line forum, I believe. Just a fantastic atmosphere. They get LSU. I'm I'm ready for this. I like I like what I see from Kentucky. They jump all the way to 16 uh and they get LSU. I, I'm not this LSU thing since uh, the whole uh, Burrow Magic show, you know, it's it, it's a mess right now. Right. And I, I hope Kentucky keeps this thing up and keeps the pressure on them because they um, they're not it right now. And, and, rego- and back, back to the Big Ten real quick. Yeah, I'm, this whole thing. Oh, the Big Ten, they're not whatever. They're not that good. Well, they got they got four teams in the top ten, and Michigan's eleven. So probably can miss me with that one. All right, time to finish off the show with rapid reactions. A lot of topics, a little bit of time. Take it away, drink. Let's roll, baby. LSU has removed this COVID protocol for fans, including showing proof of vaccination when attending home football games. Do you approve of this move? Absolutely, I approve of this move. Uh, The only problem I have with this is, like, why I I didn't agree with the the rules they was putting in place to begin with, but it is nice to see that we 
some we got somewhat normalcy going around in uh in baton rouge i guess nba hall of famer and four-time defensive player of the year ben wallace is joining his former team that would be the detroit pistons on their basketball operations staff how much of an impact can wallace have in terms of getting the pistons back on track wallace didn't play offense i mean what are you supposed to come in there and like make our identity the heart and soul like i mean he was a good player on the defense side of the ball we looked at his numbers on the offense side of the ball when he got into the Hall of Fame, and uh, yeah. I don't know. It's an offensive league, so I'm gonna say uh, I don't know how much <laughs> how much he's gonna do in that department. I'm sorry, I, I don't see it. Golden State superstar Steph Curry said Los Angeles Lakers superstar LeBron James has set the standard for longevity. Do you agree with him? Oh yeah, I think I think you'd be a, a fool to disagree with this one. I mean, this guy about to enter his 18th year. I mean, I, I still think we're seeing a, a slight decline, but to to continue to play at this level for this long, I think it's it's unlike anything we've ever seen in, uh, in the NBA. The Oregon Ducks have lost starting running back C.J. Verdell and safety Bennett Williams for the rest of the season due to leg injuries. Uh, do you see these having a major uh, impact on their playoff hopes? Definitely, C.J. Verdell. Um, I think I think. Um... You know, Bennett Williams will impact them, but that's CJ Vendell. Oh, um, yeah, that's that's gonna that's gonna be it's gonna take some sting out of their cell right now. But hey, listen, Oregon recruits at a high level, so we'll see if they can replace them. But I do think they're having a lot of injuries on their team this year too. So yeah, I, I definitely think that. Tampa Bay Rays outfielder Randy Arizena becomes the first player in MLB history to hit a home run. Still home in the same game as the Rays beat the Boston Red Sox 5-Zippo in game one of the ALDL series. What are your thoughts on Azarena? Oh, he's, well, he's really good. And I, he's, uh, you know, 26 years old. His, his rookie season was technically this year, but he had a just a all one of the all-time great playoff runs that we've ever seen. He, he's right back on track this year. I would say the bottom line about this guy I think he's the, mo- the most must-see watch guy in baseball that probably nobody knows nationally, you know, outside of a guy like Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, Otani, those type of guys. This, this guy's must-see TV. 49ers rookie Trey Lance will start for the first time on Sunday at quarterback against the undefeated Cardinals. How do you think he's going to do? He going to get smoked. Oof. Yo, did you just <laughs> not see what the Cardinals did to a veteran in Matthew Stafford? You think a rookie – listen – Here's where he has an advantage. He's a rookie. He has small, he got little to no tape. That will catch them by surprise in the first half. But that's why we have halftime. <laughs> they adjust, they come out, and they remind us that Trey Lance is a rookie. So I, I think he'll do okay, but I think the, the Cardinals got something for him. Remember, the Cardinals is the team with one with, with Chandler Jones out here getting five sacks in one game. Just remember that. So they, they, they will come to play. Two mid-majors, two major mid-season NFL acquisitions as the Panthers acquired cornerback Stephon Gilmore and the Packers signed linebacker Jalen Smith. Which was the bigger deal for you, Jay? Man, that's a tough one. I think uh, I think both moves will help their respective teams uh, quite a bit. But, uh, you know, it's, it's tough to go against a guy like Stephon Gilmore. We, talk, we touched on him briefly earlier. This is a former NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Just things, you know, didn't quite work out between him and the Patriots. But uh, pretty sure he's from the Carolinas, so that could be a thing that doesn't uh, not only will it impact this year, but maybe they'll be able to, you know, lock him up for years to come. I think that's a thing. I'd go with that one, give it a slight edge over Jalen Smith. Tomorrow evening, it's UFC Vegas 39. 
That's Dern versus Rodriguez on ESPN and ESPN Plus at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas. Main event is a women's strawweight fight between the number four ranked contender, Mackenzie Dern, and the number six ranked contender, Marina Rodriguez. Drink, who you got? Yeah, I'm going to take Mackenzie Dern by submission. Hey, she the truth. She's um that Brazilian black belt, black, black, X plus, plus, however that goes. Um, she the real deal on the ground. I haven't really seen a lot of these women be able to handle what she do on the ground. Um, I know, you know, Rodriguez is supposed to be a striker, but one thing I learned about the UFC, if you fight somebody that's very, very superior on the ground, they figure out how to get you on the ground, and then you're in trouble. So, yeah, I'm going to go with um, Mackenzie Dern by submission. The Patriots could be without four offensive linemen on, on Sunday against the Texans. Big deal, little deal, or no deal? I would say it's a big deal, but it's the Texans, so I'm going to go with little deal. I mean, I, I think uh, you know at this point, you, you they might could you know put out uh you know four blocking sleds or four roadblocks or whatever you want to put out there, a stop sign maybe. I, I think they're they're going to live. And don't forget, like Davis Mills is still out here throwing the football for Houston, so uh you know I think Bill's going to have something ready for him that that probably be quite a few turnovers that assists the Patriots offense with some short fields. And I don't think it'll wind up being much of a factor at all. Last one tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Eastern on pay-per-view. It's Wilder versus Fury Part 3 at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. The WBC heavyweight title on the line when the champ Tyson Fury meets the former WBC champion Deontay Wilder for the third time to see who is the heavyweight king. Drink, who's going to win and why? Listen, man, you know, I'm going to ride with Deontay Wilder on this one. And, and because... You know, <clears throat> here's the thing. Tyson Fury, he's coming in here 20 pounds heavier. And the weight don't really bother me because he has shown that he's the heaviest dude in heavyweight and moves the best. So that doesn't bother me. What does kind of concern me is his psyche going into this fight. He seems a little off. He don't seem like the calm Tyson Fury I've seen in the first two fights. Whereas Deontay Wilder, on the other hand, he seems more composed. And let's let's be real here. The... the to me, the pressure is on him. Um, that last performance wasn't up to snuff. Um, he keep he has claims that the uh, you know Fury cheated in some form. I don't know how. Yeah, you had to do your research. But with that said, I think Wilder is motivated. This supposedly his best camp since he's been a heavyweight fighter, a pro heavyweight fighter. So he seems ready to go. I'm taking Wilder. I'm even taking Wilder by knockout. I think he's gonna chase this thing all the way through. And this time he. Fury will not get up. If he knocks Fury down this time, he won't get up. I just refuse to believe he's going to get up. So I'm taking Wilder by the knockout. All right. That concludes today's Drink of Wisdom. As always, like, listen, share, subscribe. Thank you for joining us. I'm Jay Wise. And I'm Nathan Drinking. And remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, this is with